0: You know, I know there's others here. I actually grew up in this area. And as a young boy, I played baseball for over 10 years in the different leagues and different levels coming up. But the one thing that was common in each one of those leagues is I played the same position. And that's a catcher. I was a catcher all my life playing baseball. And um I love catching for two reasons. Anybody that understands baseball knows the catcher is right in the middle of the game. He's right in the middle of the game because he really calls every pitch. So there's no room to let your mind just wander. You're there, you're strategizing with the pitcher. Uh, Do I want this ball, you know, the speed of the ball to come in? Uh, What curvature do I want? What location do I want? Our goal is always to try to get that batter out. And so there's a strategy that's played. And so the catcher's right in the middle of it. But the second part of catching that I loved was that part of a catcher's job was to get into the mind of the batter. And the way he usually did that was by trash talking. And by, um, yeah, anybody else here has been a catcher knows exactly what I mean. You trash talk and you kind of try to get them all off center. Now here's the reality. This is confession time as a catcher. We're in Ephesians, that section that talks about you know, leaving aside the former manner of life. Well, my trash talking didn't leave when I came to know Jesus, and those who know me best know that best. Is of course I've Christianized my trash talking, but I still uh, still something that Jesus has to keep working in my life. And you know, um, we're in the section in Ephesians that talks about our lifestyle, our walk. And this morning we're specifically going to be talking about our talk. My voice came out weak there. My our talk. And what we're learning in this section is that our talk should be consistent with who we are in Jesus, since we already laid off the old man and put on a new man. So this morning we're going to talk about our words. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be working off of verse 29 this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 20. I'll give you just a second to get there. Let me read it. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace. Oh, we just talked about grace holding us. You tell me my speech can give grace? So that it will give grace to those who hear. Our tongue is a powerful instrument, our words are powerful. The Bible teaches us they're like a two-edged sword. On the one hand, our words can help people, can build them up, can make them stronger, or our words can hurt people, tear them down, and really bring destruction to their soul and to their life. And Proverbs makes this abundantly clear. I'm going to do a lot of PowerPoints today of Proverbs, and let's take a look at these. First one is this. There is one who speaks rashly, and let, let me stop and tell you what that word rashly means. Speak thoughtlessly. That means their words are reckless because they've given no thought to the words they're speaking. So he's saying here, there is one who speaks rashly, who speaks thoughtlessly, never thinks about what they say, and it's like the thrusting of a sword but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Double-edged sword, this tongue. Let's look at the next one. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it, perversion means when it's crooked, when it goes, here's the line uh, of truth and health and whatever, and, and perversion is crooked, I'm going off the line of what's really true. And when there's perversion in our tongue, it crushes the spirit. Listen to this next one. We see these contrasts between the the healing and the hurting that can come from our tongue. Pleasant words are a honeycomb. You know what a honeycomb is, it's just full of honey. And honey is sweet. It's sweet to the soul and we also know from studies that honey brings healing to the body as our words that are pleasant can not only be sweet to the soul, but they actually can bring healing. Now just a few verses past this verse, it talks about how the worthless man's uh, words are like a scorching fire. (laughs) So either our words can bring that which is healing or we can be like a scorching fire to, to hurt those around us. Then finally, this one, death and life, are in the power of the tongue. That's big. (laughs) Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So every word we speak has got the potential either to help somebody or to hurt somebody, to bless somebody or to cause them pain and the crushing of their spirit. So we gotta realize something as we come to this passage today, and it's the opportunity that we have with our words. Think of the opportunity we have to minister with our words and to bless those who are around us. I'm thinking first and foremost, those of us that are married are mates. Because you know they're the ones that we talk the most with. And we are the most radically honest with in our hearts without usually a lot of thought just our words come out. We're talking about the opportunity to bless our mates, to bless our children, to bless our grandchildren, uh, to bless another believer in Jesus that may be discouraged and needs a word to lift them up, to a lost person who is discouraged and needs a word to lift them up and mostly needs Jesus. How about our classmates, our coworkers, our neighbors, even a stranger? We have an opportunity to minister with our words and to bless other people. Did you know, research says this, that the average woman speaks about 20,000 words a day. The average man speaks about 7,000 words a day. And you know what? There's some men that use as many words as a woman and some women that use as many words as a man and everything in between. So I'm not trying to lock anybody in. This is the point, we use a lot of words. So guess how many opportunities we have every day to either bless somebody or to hurt somebody, to build them up or to tear them down. You know, I hear people say, man, I wish I was in the full-time ministry. Do you realize you're in the full-time ministry? Do you realize that every person you encounter, every minute of the day, every day of the week, every place you are, not just at Moraine Valley during times of official ministries, and not only inside these walls but outside the walls, every time we speak, we have an opportunity to minister to somebody, to bring them words that will either help them or words that hurt them. We have got an unbelievable opportunity. Every word matters that we speak. It can be a gift to the person we're with, it can be a ministry to the person we're with, or we can actually be hurting and tearing people down with our words. So let's take a closer look at this passage. Ephesians 4, 29. So look back at your Bibles, and I'm, I'm gonna, it breaks down in four simple little ways in this passage. I'll just take each one quickly. First thing it teaches us that there should not be not one unwholesome word. Listen to Ephesians 4:29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, not one. Unwholesome means harmful or corrupting. There shouldn't be one word that passes from our mouth that harms the other person or is corrupting them. These are words, as we saw in Proverbs, that have no value. These are the ones that crush the spirit. These are the ones that bring death. These are the words that that just really are not designed to build a person up. We're not supposed to speak one harmful word. But then he goes on and says this, but only such a word as is good for edification. So this is the two sides of our speaking, the two sides of the sword. No words that are harmful and hurtful. Only, only, only words that build up and edify. That that, Edify is not a word we use all the time, it's in the scripture and it talks about building something up, strengthening something, improving something, it's increasing something and in this context, what he's talking about is our words being used to be able to increase the potential and the ability of the person you're talking to to live life better in light of their circumstances. That's what he's calling us to do. That's what edify means. Are your words taking that person and where they are in life and building them up to be able to face what they are going through? And that's what we see in the third part of this verse. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to, now here it is, what's the standard? What do we line these words up with? according to the need of the moment. You know what that means? I'm sensitive to what's going on in light of the words that I speak. That means I realize, and let's just take this room. Every person in this room has got a different makeup by God's design. Every person in this room is facing different circumstances, even today. Every person in this room is in a different place in their spiritual journey. So guess what? That means my words need to be uniquely tuned to the need of the moment for that person. The same thing doesn't work for every person. And I need to be speaking and having my words shaped that are sensitive to that person I'm speaking to and to who they are, how they're made up, what they're going through, and where they are in their spiritual journey. So my words need to be shaped there. And let me tell you the best way by which that can happen. We need to learn to be good listeners. Too many Christians talk too much. And we talk first, and we kind of think like we're coming in and doing some ministry for God because we're constantly throwing our stuff on people. You know what, when we listen, we do an MRI of the other person's soul. Do you realize that husbands, wives, friends, best friends, for those that aren't married, do you realize when you listen to another person, you're getting their heart and their soul and you're beginning to understand what's going on and if I'm gonna speak something according to the need of the moment, I gotta listen before I speak. And so many of us burst in speaking before we even know what's going on. And it really doesn't have the ability. Let let me show you what Proverbs says about this. Listen to these verses in Proverbs about speaking a right word at the right time in the right circumstances. (coughs) Like apples of gold... In settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. <laughs> like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstance. Look at the next verse. A man has joy in an apt, an appropriate answer. And how delightful is a timely word. You, you, you know, how, the right answer at the right time, brings joy and delight. And then I love this one. He kisses the lips who gives a right answer. You know, I thought this is the first time I've ever preached a sermon about how to be a better kisser. Now he you say to people, well, would you learn a church? I learned how to kiss better. And they're probably, whoa, what's the name of that church? I'll be there next Sunday. We'll use that, to, we'll come back and revisit that one. But you know what the scriptures saying? Man, it's like giving somebody a kiss. When you give the right answer at the right time and the right circumstances, when you speak according to the need of the moment, it's like giving that person a kiss. And then he closes this verse with this: "Our words are a gift. Listen again, so let. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the moment. Why? So that, here's the reason why it will give grace to those who hear. Brothers and sisters, we can give grace to other people through our words. Grace is a gift, it's a free gift. And God can use me as an instrument to bring grace into someone else's life in every conversation that I have. And since we as believers in Jesus are people who've put off the old man and put on the new man, we should be people who are having our words shaped according to the need of the moment so that it can be a ministry and a gift and a kiss to the person we're speaking to. That's what our new talk is supposed to look like as believers. Like I said, I'm still growing in this and actually some things God pointed out to me as I I prayed about this passage and thought about it. And So let me share with you a couple applications that we can take. We, We kinda got the idea now. Let our words be the kind of words that are sensitive to the person and the circumstances that are going on around them in that very moment so that I can bring God's grace to that person through my mouth. So how can we do this? I'm gonna give you a couple applications. First of all, know God's word. And know the gospel. Say why. What words are more powerful than God's words? Matter of fact, I love the old, it says it's like a hammer that shatters a rock, God's word. Hebrews 4 says that this word, it pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit and even shows us the motivations of our heart. God's word goes down deep and God's word, according to Ephesians 5, is like water that washes over a person and cleanses the filth from their life. I can go on and on, but God's word is powerful. There's no more words we can speak that are more powerful than God's words. But let me give you a close second. And that's my words that have been shaped by God's words. I mean, we don't have to go around just quoting God's, the scripture all the time when we talk to people. But a person who has been close enough to God's word that that word is no longer just Something that they get into, but the word has gotten into them, and it's transformed the way that they think, and it's transformed their heart. Guess what? Words now that are going to come out have been shaped and formed by God's words, and they're going to be very helpful to the person who hears it. So the first thing we need to do is we need to know this book. And let me put it in the context of according to the need of the moment. Don't be a machine gunist. Be a sharpshooter. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You know, the machine gun, they come in, man, they're just kind of, they're, they're going to cover everything. They're just shooting everything around, hoping they're going to hit somebody. They know somebody's in that area. They're just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. A sharpshooter, they assess the situation. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they even, they even check the wind velocity because they can be shooting from a mile away. And they, they could, they have to assess the wind, the circumstances, the people, the place. The, you know, they're, they're, they're very sensitive to what's going on before they pull that trigger that one time and hit well. And you know, brothers and sisters, i see seen too many Christians that think their job is to be a machine gunist. And they uh, think they're doing God a service. They think they're being faithful to God. And blessing other people, because they just come in and they're blasting people with God's word and just throwing out God's word, insensitive at all to what's going on in the person's life. But a sharpshooter is gonna know what's going on. And guess what? It just takes one shot. It just takes one apt answer. It just takes one correct word in a timely fashion in the right circumstances by which we can transform somebody's life forever. So we gotta know God's word. And again, to be a sharpshooter, you gotta be a listener. If you're not a listener, you're probably not a sharpshooter because you probably don't have a good sense of what's going on around you. And the better listeners we are, the better sharpshooters we can be to the glory of God to help people through our tongues giving an apt answer in a timely fashion. Let me give you a second thing. So one, we need to know this book and get this book in us. Let it shape our hearts so that we speak God's words. But second of all, trust the Holy Spirit to give you his words. Are you walking in dependence of the Spirit? Are you even asking God to Lord, my words today, watch over them because every word that matters. I need the Spirit of God to be watching and guarding and uh, calling me close counts. You know, doing whatever it takes. Holy Spirit, give me what I need to speak. Jesus lived this way. Listen to what this verse says. This is Jesus speaking. For I did not speak on my own initiative. Jesus didn't kind of well. Let me let me what should I speak? Here, let me say this. No, Jesus said, the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as what to say and what to speak. Whoa. Jesus himself didn't just come and pour out his heart. <laughs> Jesus didn't speak a word unless it was something that the Father commanded him to say. Now, I gotta, if you're like me, you're probably like, what to say and what to speak? What's the difference between those two? I don't know yet for sure, but my best study comes up with these two conclusions as I've, what others say and as I, I study out the words. What to say and what to speak can either be what to say is the content in a formal setting or what to say, and oh, formal is too strong of a word, for that makes sound like just preaching, but you know, what, what to say in a context with your words, what to speak could be just the un. What do you want to call it? the the loose circumstances where I'm just walking? The other one is this: what to say is the content of what to say; what to speak is how to say it. And either one of those really could be possibilities. And Jesus is saying, the Father is the one who gives me the words and the content of what I should say, and He even is the one that tells me how I should say. It. You know, we're speaking. Guys, when they say words are only 10%, (laughs) what about the heart that it comes from behind it is so much bigger and you can lose a sense of those words because you may be saying the right words, but if you don't have the right heart to back it up, Jesus received from the Father the words to speak and even the way to speak them. And then look at this in the Old Testament about Jesus. He said this, the Lord has given me and may God give me and may God give you. The, I'm, I'm sound like a preacher rather than sitting in the living room, forgive me, but may God give me and may God give you. Ah, forget that stuff. The Lord has given me the tongue of a disciple, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Wow. God, this is speaking of the Messiah, by the way, in Isaiah 50. And is speaking Jesus saying that God gave me a tongue of a disciple. What's that like? It's one that knows how to sustain the weary with a word. Brothers and sisters, we need to depend upon the spirit of God to even give us the words and how to speak them to others so we can sustain them with what they're going through in life. Let me give you a third one. You know what? In North America, and I grew up in this culture and some of it still hung on, we pride ourselves in speaking our mind. We pride ourselves in being radically honest. And that's a good thing. But we leave out the other half that says, I consider the impact that my words have upon other people. <laughs> and we have a North American culture where everybody is. Revealing their mind and their heart, and I just gotta be honest, I gotta let you know what I think, but they have no thought about the impact what it has on others or the circumstances of what others are going through. You see, Paul would say it this way, speak the truth in love. Jesus would say it this way, speak the truth full of grace and truth. And look what this proverb says. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. I think this is a cultural verse for what I see in many corners of our country. People don't delight in understanding what other people think and really trying to get what's going on and understanding. All they delight in is revealing their own mind. And according to the scripture, that's a fool. All they want to do is be radically honest and let me tell you what I think without any understanding of the person around them or the circumstances that they're in or what they really need in the moment. So what's that require? This is my next point. We need to think before we speak. Actually, this is where God spoke to me today and I'll come back to that in a second but you need to think before you speak. We need to understand what's the right word to speak and what's the impact of those words upon the person I'm speaking. You know, they got a whole area of study out right now. It's a it's a real art, a science. Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but it's called conversational intelligence. I don't know how many of you heard about that. But conversational intelligence is uh, where you are aware of the words you're speaking and the impact that they're gonna have on others before you speak them. See, that's conversational intelligence. Now, let me tell you, I'm not trying to preach to you this morning conversational intelligence. This new study in this new area that's coming out in the relationships is I like what my brother Mike Stabil says. They're just discovering ancient wisdom that God told us many years ago. You follow me? (laughs) You know, they're kind of like, oh, look at this new discovery. Well, they learn from experience and how many people have been damaged along the way that God's ancient wisdom always had it right and that we need to be people who think before we speak and understand the impact on others. Look at these Proverbs. The heart of the righteous. Now, underline the word heart because we're going to come back to that. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Oh, He's down here, you know what, before I respond, I I gotta think about this, rather than just shooting out my first response. You know how many times this has saved me to say, you know what, let me think about this for a little bit. Let me wait a day or two before I respond to this email. Let me ponder how to answer, rather than just shooting out like a fool whatever's on my mind. The next verse. The heart, again here we see the heart of the wise, what do they do? It instructs their mouth. And it adds persuasiveness to their lips. Do you realize that when we think before we speak, we become wiser and what we have to say can be more persuasive? As we ponder and think in our hearts what to say, And understand the impact of my words and the impact on people before I speak them. Here's I just became aware of this recently. I've seen it twice now in two different places. But here's a simple little thing about speaking. And actually, it's about thinking before you speak. Use the word think. Is it truthful? What I'm saying to people, is it truthful? Again, am I speaking the truth, but am I speaking it in love? Or am I just speaking the truth? Scripture asks us to do both. Is it helpful? Are my words really gonna help the person I'm speaking? And sometimes a word of warning or a word of confrontation is the help that a person needs. You still need to do it in love and gentleness, as the scripture says. But we need to ask ourselves, what I'm saying, is it true and is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Does it build the person up? Does it edify them? Does it help them get stronger and more able for the circumstances? Now, these next two, I want to add specifically for social media as well as our conversations. Is it necessary? I got to be honest with you guys. Are all our political views necessary on social media? Some of our Christians, I think they think they're hired as campaign managers for their side of the political bench. Is it necessary? We gotta ask ourselves, is this necessary? Is it gonna inspire people? Is it gonna help them? Is it true? And many of us, our truth, when it comes to politics, we gotta realize we're not hearing truth from anybody out there, and we all don't know it as well as we think we do. But beyond is it necessary, is it kind? What I'm saying is a kind. So we need to think before we speak. And then here's this. I I point out the words heart there. Our heart ponders. Our heart instructs us. You know, our words come from our heart. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45 The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. His mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Did you catch that? Our words come from our heart. Our words reveal our hearts. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it in others and I've done, done it myself. Somebody come up after listening to my words, say, Pat, are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm fine. You know, my words didn't say I'm fine, but I've deceived myself in thinking I'm fine just because that, because I'm out of touch with what's going on. What I got to realize is my words just really revealed what's going on in my heart. And brothers and sisters, this is very important. If you want to say, man, I I really, I I want to become like Jesus, like nobody else, then go ask some people what your words, as they hear them, describe to you about your heart. We're not always the best assessment. And some of our friends aren't always the best assessors because they're always, oh, you're okay, you're fine. But to find somebody that'll speak the truth to you in love and say, what do my words say? And when I respond to something that I don't like, because you gotta remember this, guys. We gotta really look at the words when the pressure's on, in particular. Things don't go my way, circumstances are going bad, you know, things like that. Because what did he say in Deuteronomy 8 when he took them into the wilderness to test them to know what's in their heart? So when the pressure's on and things don't go your way and circumstances are bad, The things that are coming out of your mouth reveal what's really in your heart because God's using the pressure to force out of our hearts to let us see through our mouths what's going on in our hearts. Are you following me? And what did James say in James 3? He said, nobody can tame the tongue. And James 3 went on to talk about this. It it talks about the spring that our words come out of. He was referring to the heart as well. Our words come from our, the spring from our heart. And if the spring is bad, the water will be bitter. If the spring is good, the water will be fresh. If our heart is bad, the words will be bitter. If my heart is good, the words will be fresh and life-giving. And James said this, the tongue is a restless evil <laughs> full of deadly poison that sets on fire the course of our lives. And he said, nobody is able to tame it. He goes on to say, you know what? We've tamed every animal in the world. And you know, we got lions and bears and all kinds of things that we've learned to tame, but nobody can tame the tongue. So guess what? This morning's message is not just a self-help message about how we can speak better. It's a message that says, I desperately need Jesus. I desperately need Jesus to get me in touch with my heart so that I'm real with what's going on inside of my life and that these words are really revealing my harsh, my unkind, my whatever fill-in-the-blank words are really revealing something's not going on good down here. And Jesus, you need to show me that and get not just let everybody out there know it, let me know it. God, don't make me the last one to see it. Make me the first one to see it by your spirit who lives inside of me to shepherd my heart. Might he walk with me and show me my heart and my tongue before I damage other people with this restless evil that's full of deadly poison. So this isn't a self-help message. This is a trust Jesus message. Lord, I need you to cause me to stop and think before I speak. I need you, Jesus, to break that habit of just speaking like this and never listening, to be a person who listens and ponders and instructs their mouth how to speak rather than just like the fool speaking whatever's in my heart. Guys, we need to be honest with God because that's God spoke to me this morning, he says, Pat, you know what? You don't stop and think enough before you speak. You don't ponder your thoughts. You're in a habit of speaking too quickly. Now, of course, for a sermon, I ponder about it for weeks. <laughs> but in my conversations with people, I don't take the time I need to take to consider the words that will be a gift and a kiss to them. I need to take time not only to instruct myself what to say, I gotta take more time to listen. Where are they at before I speak? Don't be the first person to speak, Pet. I love what Charles Ryrie said when I was in school as he uh, met with all the, students, he says, you know what? In class, don't be the first person to speak because once you speak, you spend all your time defending what you said. But if you listen to others, you can sharpen what you're gonna say. How true. In our conversations, and our Bible studies, and whatever context you're in, listen, listen, listen. Take an MRI of the situation, take an MRI of the person's soul, then trust God to give me the words like He gave Jesus and to instruct my mind and my heart how to speak so that I can give this person a gift. And again, there's nothing more important than husbands and wives, those either single friends, our children, our grandchildren, how desperately they need this. And so, This is my, and let me tell you, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're religious, maybe you're curious and you're just trying to find out about these things. This is what Jesus offers to you. Scripture says that a man without Jesus has what's called a heart of stone. That means it's insensitive to God and his words. But he will give you a heart of flesh. That means sensitive, I respond you know what, I can slap a rock up here or I can kick a rock or I can hit it with a hammer, it doesn't feel a thing. But i tell you what, all it takes is one of my, We it was one day had my granddaughter over and I was holding her and she loves to put her hands in your mouth and with that little fingernail, pull it back out. I'll tell you what, man, that hurts. Doesn't take a hammer, just a little fingernail going, like, oh man, That's what flesh does. It's responsive. And what God wants to give you today, if you don't know Jesus, he wants to give you a responsive heart to him and to his word where you say, yes, I love this. I want this. I love you, Lord. I want to live for you. And he wants to give you a new heart that's responsive. Then he promises to give you his spirit to live inside of that heart, to work with you, to cause you to walk in his ways. And what he, when Jesus died on the cross, that's called the new covenant, by the way. It says he'll forgive our sins and he'll take out that heart of stone, give us a heart of flesh, he'll put inside of us a spirit to cause us to walk in the ways. That's called the new covenant. It was ratified. The covenants of the scripture are ratified by blood through death. And it was the new covenant that Jesus ratified at the cross. And when he shed his blood he died to pay for your sins. Along with him, he took that part of us that's called the heart of stone, that old man. He died with Jesus. He died to ratify this covenant to make sure that, it, that it's complete and gonna happen. He died, died to defeat the enemy. We can go on and on, the point is this. Jesus died for you and for me so that we can become brand new people at the core of our being who are not only forgiven, but are changed at the core and are given a guarantee of heaven and a guarantee of the spirit to live inside of me. And if you're here today and you've never come to that place where you've put your trust in Jesus, up to this point, all you've done is you tried to be a good person or you tried to be a moral person, you tried to do good things or you tried to go to church and be religious, none of those do it. The only thing that does it is coming before Jesus, say, Jesus, I can never measure up to what you call us to. My only hope is what you did for me when you died for me on the cross and you rose again to give me a new life. And much the same way I'm trusting this seat now to hold me up, now I'm trusting my legs to hold me up. And many of us are trusting our own works in our own religion, in our own morality, in our own whatever, fill in the blank. And we need to transfer our trust from myself to Jesus and what he did, and now I'm trusting Jesus to hold me up. And when I make that transfer of trust into what Jesus did for me, the cross and in his resurrection, at that moment, everything I just talked to you about comes true in your life. God gives you all those gifts. He forgives you. He gives you a new heart. He gives you a spirit. And he starts working in you to walk you through. So guess what? When we apply it today to our words, now I got a helper, as Jesus called him in John. The helper is inside of me to shepherd me through this whole thing with my tongue. So let me close with this. If you were to grade yourself In light of the last month, what score would you give yourself in light of Ephesians 4.29? When you consider words that are unwholesome and harmful and hurtful versus words that are helpful versus words that are sensitive to the need of the moment and the need of the person in front of me and the circumstances around him words that are a gifts and a kiss to others around us. What kind of grade would you give yourself? And as you consider that grade, consider your emails because those are full of words. Consider your texts. Consider your social media posts. Are you sensitive to the people who are going to be reading those? Do you really understand where everybody's at and what's going on? Are you really representing Jesus well? Because it, it can't always happen with Ephesians 4. Because when I go out on social media, I want to be very careful what I post. Because as, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, I need to be careful to be aware of who I'm speaking to and who's listening and the impact that I'll have upon them. So what kind of grade do you give yourself? How you doing? And then maybe I'll close with this. No, not maybe, I will close with this. What do you need to give attention to over the next month to get a better score next month? (laughs) Which part of that verse? I know what it is for me. It's being more aware of the impact that my words have and the circumstances that I'm in and having the spirit of God cause me to stop and think and ponder before I speak considering the impact of my words. What do you need to address? You've heard a lot of things today. Take one of them. Which is the one that God has for me? Forget about the dump truck of information that's been dumped on you. Take the one truth that you heard today, say, God, that's the one that I need to focus on over the next month. Because I said this a few weeks ago, I was surprised how many responses I got to it, but maybe I don't say it enough. It isn't what you know that changes your life. It's what you consistently apply. Both those words are important. Consistently, not just because I go home and do it once this afternoon. (laughs) But when I consistently apply something in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, that's where God transforms me. What do you need to focus on so that you can be a better kisser? To the people you're around. Father I just pray that as you spoke to me this morning even as I was preparing God I pray you speak to my brothers and sisters here today Lord for the glory of your name and for the benefit of the people around us Lord I ask you that you would Father would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit I pray there'd be no longer hearing from Pat but it would now be hearing from you Father, would you speak by your spirit to each one of us personally as to what we need to address. And Lord, would you give us the grace to continually depend upon you who lives in us to carry it out. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.